Hi everyone and welcome to Unlocking Business Potential, your podcast backed by BDO Chattanooga. So I'm Kelsey and I'm joined today by my amazing co-host and that is Melissa. Hi. So both of us are chartered accountants here at BDO Chattanooga and we will be guiding you through this journey of increasing your ability to unlock your business potential. Today we want to look at why you are working harder in your business but not seeing the results. And because this is such a key question, we've brought in a special guest for today's topic. This is a chartered accountant and advisory partner here at BDO Taranaki. Please welcome to the podcast, Ryan Stockman. Thank you, Melissa. How's everyone going today? Yeah, we're good. Good. Before we get stuck in, I just wanted to throw in our usual disclaimer that the information in this podcast is general in nature and no substitute for tailored advice specific to your particular circumstances. If you do need advice, make sure to touch base with your advisor. We're looking to get into some key um, questions that people have when they're starting up in business or when they're kind of going through some struggles as well. So I guess let's kick us off with that typical one where they say, zero is telling me I've made a profit, but for some reason there's nothing left in my bank account. <laughs> so why is this happening? So that's a real common question that clients, especially new to business clients, ask us. Um, so quite often we say, once you looked at the P&L, you need to look what happens after that. So what happens after the, the, after the profit and loss? So probably clients probably need to look at it more as a cash flow sort of um, project. So seeing what happens once they've made a profit, where has the cash gone? So that's probably the key question that we talk to banks and we talk to clients going, where did the cash go? So you might want to have a look through, have you repaid any debt? Have you paid some tax? Have you spent too much on your drawings? Which is quite a common thing that happens. But yeah, so that would be my my advice is to really hone into what's happening after your profit and loss. So go through those different lines and go, okay, we can make some good changes and yeah, feeling a bit more comfortable where the money's gone. Yeah, no, that sounds really fantastic. And it just makes it a bit easier because it's not, not everything goes into profit and loss. We want to look mm. at all of those other items, you say, drawings, tax payments, everything like that. Yeah, and I, and I think it is really key to look at when you're starting out, looking at your business as a cash business rather than just a profit. So making sure that, yeah, even if you are making your profit, you can meet all your obligations. So you're not taking on too much debt or you're not accounting for certain things or forgetting to account for living, which is something that can happen sometimes. Yep, definitely. His drawings can sneak up on you very, very quickly. Yeah, it's funny when um, you look at a drawings figure, say, hundred grand for the year, and then if you if you see that to someone, they're like, I don't do that, and then you ask, you actually break it down to maybe a weekly amount. So I like to scare people sometimes with what's that weekly amount to actually, so they can have a number that you can look at, because I think sometimes a yearly amount's too big. So, yeah. And it's always a bit of an adaption when you start in business if you're used to getting wages and you're no longer getting that actually what does that all break down to and how are you funding your life essentially yeah and that, that's a good thing to bring up about about tax as well because I guess if you go from being a wage earner being self-employed you're just used to the tax being looked after so quite often in your business people will say put away a third third away of your money, that will cover your GST, will cover your income tax, and just think that's not yours. And if you have any of that left over at the end of the year, it's a bonus. Absolutely. So another key question that we hear quite a lot from clients new to business 
is that they feel like they're working a lot in their business, say 60 to 70 hours a week. Um, so what can they charge out at the end of the month that still doesn't cover their expenses? So is that when they've got like their, their product pricing isn't right? Do you mm. feel like they're maybe just like they're not sure what to charge out, what margins to add in? Yeah, and I think that's quite common as well. So I think when you're so stuck into your business and working 24-7, probably the pricing and the costing is the last thing you actually think about. So I think probably really important when you start out having a look out at the market, what's there. Be, say in a tradie business, it could be pretty easy to find out what everyone else is charging for a similar piece of work and actually honing in at the start. And probably more important as you go on, just making sure you're re-evaluating it. I think clients expect costs to go up over time. But if you say look at your costs or look at your margin or your product pricing every couple of years, People are probably going to get scared of it if there's a big jump. So probably worth looking at it. Um, if you've got a business partner or your spouse actually sitting down and spending some real valuable time that's not just earning the money, but how the business is run. Yeah, that makes heaps of sense. So product pricing is super important because mm -hmm. you can work all these hours, but if you don't take into account your own time, yeah. there's nothing left for you. Absolutely. Yeah, and that own time is, is quite common. People probably undersell what their time is actually worth. So making sure you are accounting for your time because just think if someone else was doing it, there would be a cost for it. So you're not free. I quite often have the people go, oh, so I normally used to make $30 an hour. So if I just charge out 30 bucks an hour, I'll be good, eh? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, you need to charge out that more. You need to cover your overheads. You yeah. need to get towards that 60, 70 mark so you can cover all your costs and then still make your 30 bucks. Yeah, yeah. So then I guess next part we're looking about is more about the outsourcing and not doing everything yourself, the admin. So should I be doing it myself or should I get my accountant to help me out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good one. And it's going to really depend on size of business and um, level of control you want. Quite often, if it's just, say, you doing it, you may need more help because you're too busy running the business. But if you have a partner or, a, say, a spouse or a business partner, there might be someone who has time to work on the business, working on the invoicing, working on zero, working on um, making things a lot more efficient. I think it's just really honing into the cost. So what do you, would you charge yourself out? So are you thinking, say, as Kelsey said, a $60 an hour, say you think you're worth $60 an hour, are you willing to pay $60 an hour for someone to do admin? Or do you think you could get it cheaper? Or do you think if you're outsourcing admin, it just frees you up? So I think it really depends on everyone's situation, but I have seen it working really well in the past. So it just frees up the person who's running the business to do what they're best at, which is doing their business work. I think the other key thing is that who you get as that outsourcing. So we talked last episode about the difference between your bookkeeper and your accountant and your advisor. You might find that paying your advisor to do your GST coding may be too expensive. So that's where you might look to get somebody like a bookkeeper in to do that data entry type work that you don't have time for might be more cost efficient. But then having that advisor come in for that more specialized advice for year end and tax and the like. Yeah, and yeah, and I think weighing up what Melissa said, just weighing up some people I see say, oh, I don't want you guys to do the GST because it's too expensive. But then when we get to year end, we end up spending more time helping and training. So really weighing that up, especially I think if you're in, in oh, new to business, is 
maybe getting someone to help and sort of work with your advisor, work with your accountant going, okay, eventually I want to take this on or I'll have someone else take it on, but do it more of a staggered approach. Quite often people will just be like, no, just drop it. I'll just know how to do it from, from day one, but think about that extra training and think about it. Is it worth your time? And, and in the end of the day, do you like doing the book work? I hear that all the time. People complain that they hate doing the book work. So I'm like, why do, why it, do it? So yeah, again, free yourself up to do what you want to do best. Yeah, you'd never go into business to do book work. <laughs> no, it just feels like that whole way you're like working on like on your book work instead of actually doing your job and you just have no time left to service those customers. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's changing more with um, technology and cloud-based solutions. I think in the past it was quite separate. And so now it's really easy if you go, no, I want to do it. And then go, no, I hate it or I don't have time to do it. It's real easy to transition to your advisor or, as Melissa said, a bookkeeper or, yeah, someone else that you might find that can just pick it up. Karen down the road, eh? She's yeah. quite good at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, the difficult thing is, is that if you're new to business and you've never done the book work, then there's some really technical things in GST that you need to know. So you don't need to be the expert. Lean on those advisors. That's why you've got them so that you can get good advice, learn what you need to if you're going to take over that role, but you don't need to know it all from the outset. So I've just got one other key question. So there's this debacle working in your business or working on your business. Can you kind of demystify what that kind of means? Yep, so I think um, when people are saying they're too busy working in their businesses, they're out there doing their job every day, they're out providing a product or service that they're best at. And then on your business, I think that's talking about your strategy, your management, your technology. And I think getting the your business working well, so technology, making it really efficient. Hey, getting a mentor. Um, it might not be someone that's in your industry because you may think that's a bit, bit of a conflict, but you may have a friend or someone else who's in business who could be someone that you could ask questions or it could be your accountant or your advisor. Just go, getting someone independent, having a look at it. Quite often I'll see people avoid things like succession and business plans because it looks too hard from the outset. But I think if you're leaning on someone, having a, maybe when you first start out quarterly catch-ups with someone, even if it's over a cup of coffee going, this is what's really frustrating me, or even just saying to your advisors, hey, this part, oh, payroll, that's really frustrating me. So I think, well, if you talk to a good advisor, they'll be like, have you thought about going online with this? Or job costing, have you thought about using this product to make your life really easy? So I think you're just breaking it down and, as you said, Kelsey, demystifying it and going, okay, we really need to work on our business to make it profitable, to make it to continue on for a long time. Because I think if you're just so busy working on your business, as Kelsey said earlier, you might just keep charging out for $30 an hour and 18 months comes down the track and then you go, oh, we didn't make any money. So even if you spent that couple of hours a quarter or a couple of hours a month, just having a quick, say, team meeting or just a quick catch-up, you might find real gains. And I hear there's some trade industry groups that you can belong to that is everyone in, so I just think in the dairying industry, there's um, workshops and everything like that. So you've got feed farmers yeah. there and then we've got networker trades when yeah. it comes to building, construction, anything like that. So there's heaps of different places yeah. to be. And then you may think that it's a silly thing to ask about, say, payroll, and then someone say, oh, I use this payroll and I have a really good um, understanding of it and it works really well for my business. I guess it all comes down to the fact that just because you're frustrated doesn't mean that that's something that has to be frustrating in your business, that if you ask the right questions, that everything 
can be made easier or made smarter. Mm. And I think quite often with that frustrations, if you're feeling frustrated, um, there's probably another couple of people there that aren't willing to ask the question. So you might all gain from it. Yeah. It's probably our way to kind of re relate back to this key topic is you won't be working quite as hard and you might be seeing a couple more results. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So now that we know some of the key areas that we need to focus our attention to get better bang out of our business, let's talk about how we can solve some of these issues with tech. So let's look at the barriers first of all. So what do we have as a barrier? When I think of barriers, I think of time. I think of too much time spent in the office, um, whether it's opening mail, whether it's going through emails and half of them are junk emails. Yeah. I just feel like you're consistently using time in the office with paperwork, with things that can really be solved by implementation of a bit of tech. I mean, nobody went into business to do office work, unless your business is office work. You actually want to be out talking to your customers, talking to your clients, doing business because that's what's making you money, not the office work. That's just the piece of compliance that you're required to do as a business owner, yeah. but it doesn't mean it needs to take up 20% of the time that you could be in your business. And for a trader, you don't want to be foregoing that one hour charge out rate that you'd otherwise be charging out by sitting in the office. But we also on the flip side don't want you spending hours and hours from 10 till 2 a.m. doing your paperwork just to get by. We Absolutely. want to make it easier. So there are a key few pieces of tech out there that can help you solve it. And I think the first one is how you can get smarter about doing your paperwork. And that would be using a tool called HubDoc. There are a few out there that are like HubDoc, but let's talk about HubDoc in particular. So HubDoc's a document storage device. It's one that I've implemented in my business for a little over two years now. It's a tool in which you can get information into cloud storage software via all sorts of means. I've got an app on my phone that I snap a photo of my receipts as I leave the shop. And I've also got emails which I can forward directly into the software. I find it great because I can, first of all, keep everything in one place. Yep. I've eliminated paper and even better, using the app, I've been able to go to a go to a client who needed some more information. I could show them the invoices proof. So yes, my phone's got a lot of data in it, but it's been really, really valuable. Absolutely. And the other great thing is that HubDoc has artificial intelligence AI in it. So it starts automatically reading some of that key information off that invoice, such as who the supplier is, how much the invoice is for, the date of the invoice, all things that you need to usually enter into your accounting system, but it's doing it for you so that you can spend half the amount of time entering every invoice because you only need to enter the code where you want to code that invoice to essentially. Maybe a couple of other key additional pieces of information, but most of those dates and amounts are already all there for you that you don't need to key them in. Yeah, it's really great. And people have been taking it to extremes. They've been using that to send invoices across to zero. They've been using it for batch payments. But please don't feel like that's a limitation. No. So using HubDoc or its alternative, which is zero files, can be really good for anyone. Don't feel like you need to be spending heaps more 
extra time for this either. Using it for document storage alone can still be really valuable, especially for us accountants, because we need those documents at annual time. Absolutely. So it means that we have them available at our fingertips and HubDoc, or the same thing for you as the person whose information is stored in there. If you know that you need an invoice, say for a warranty, and you know who you bought it from, but not necessarily when, you can search for that supplier name within HubDoc. It's got an amazing search function that you can search for that and find that invoice straight away and show it to the supplier so that you can get that warranty on that faulty product. Yeah, no, totally. So gone are the days now of bringing in that shoebox full of receipts for your accountant to process. By saving yourself time, you're also saving us effort and also those additional questions that always come to you at the worst time. So you don't want to be leaving work at four o'clock on a Friday and get a call from your accountant saying, right, I need this, this and this, seeing the email and saying it's two pages long. You want to have that stuff there preempting it so that it makes your life far, far easier. And the great thing is, is that because that storage is IRD approved in Zero and HubDoc, you can also throw out any hard copy records. You don't need to find any physical space in your house or your garage to store seven years of records anymore. You can scan it into HubDoc, bin the hard copy and forget about it. So you're also getting some space back into your life as well. You can probably hear from this that we both have a bit of a love for HubDoc, but please again, don't feel like we're just selling one product. There are multiple different document storage products. We've got Receipt Bank, we've got Files Within Zero. So just finding the one that works best for you. And as, as always, talk to your advisor, get some information. They That is their job to help you with things like this. So making sure you're making the most of it. And if you find that your advisor isn't an expert in this kind of field, then find someone, your neighbor, or find another advisor who maybe can help you with the software piece and your current advisor can continue helping with all the tax with all compliance. The tax. Yeah, no, that sounds like an awesome plan. So in a bit different to normal, instead of you having the delightful Melissa and myself explaining our mindset, we're instead gonna bring Ryan back because this is a bit of his baby and he's here to explain <laughs> to us all bed. Thanks, Kelsey. So so what do you think Orbed means? So that's the first question I get from everyone. So if we talk about the or part first, which is what we call above the line thinking. So that's taking ownership, being accountable and taking responsibility. And whenever we talk about below the line thinking, it's more negative. So that's when you're blaming, you've got excuses and you're denying things. So around the office quite often, people will come to me with a problem and I'll say above the line please and so I'll get them to go back to whatever the conflict was and go what can I do what can I be responsible for what can I do to make a good result out of this so I think as humans we tend to sink below the line whenever mm. we're hit with a conflict we like to blame other people we like to find an excuse and deny that we're the problem but there's always something that we can do to make a positive out of out of a situation even if we're not completely in control of all aspects of the conflict definitely and i think it's such a better 
um, conflict resolution tool, when you're you're thinking positive, you're going to that ownership state going, all right, something has gone wrong, but let's just forget about that. What can we do to make a better um, answer from this? Absolutely. That's a good way. When you make a mistake, to instead of sinking below and being like, oh, it's not my fault, it's someone else did it, and making excuses, it's saying, yep, it's stuffed up, mm-hmm. but what can I do so that this doesn't happen next time? Yeah, and I think quite often with Orbed, if you're talking it, talking about it a lot, so in our office it's quite it's quite a new thing that we're dealing with and everyone's getting behind it. So as soon as someone even slightly sinks below the line, we go, come on, what can you do about it? Take responsibility. And I think it just ends up having a massive effect on the workplace culture, especially what we've seen recently. And I think it just helps you make sure that you're getting the results that you want out of your business too, because if you're being positive about things, then things are more likely to go well. I think if you're being below the line, then you're likely to see below the line results. Yeah, I think the analogy is something like use your oar to get forward, otherwise you're staying in bed. Yeah, yeah no, it was that. So, yeah, you'd rather want to jump on the boat and keep moving forward than just slipping it off or ignoring it is what I sometimes see in, in the below-the-line thinking. Thank you for listening to our episode. If you enjoyed today's podcast, jump along to your favourite podcast app and like, rate and subscribe the episode so that others can find the podcast as well. And if you need to get in contact with us for direct tailored advice, please do not hesitate to phone our office or flick us an email, malincal at bdo.co.nz. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Unlocking Business Potential, backed by BDO Taranaki.